The Incomparable is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Upgrade your brain for 2016. IT Pro TV is the resource to keep your IT skills up to date with engaging and informative video tutorials. For a free 7 day trial and 30% off the lifetime of your account, go to itpro.tv slash Snell and use the code Snell. The Incomparable, number 287. February 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to the Incomparable Podcast. I am your host, Jason Snell. And, you know, people said to me, hey, Jason, I thought you were obsessed with drafts. Why haven't you done a draft in a long time? Well, Steve, you know, I, I think I got better for a while, but I'm off the wagon now, and it's time to do another draft. Uh, better is a matter of, of uh, opinion. Uh, yes, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to draft musical albums. Now, you may remember albums as a concept from before the internet. Uh, they, they were They were on compact discs for a while. There was a cassette tape or vinyl. It was a collection of songs crafted sometimes to make a, a, a delightful kind of journey through a, a series of songs by an artist. I think the modern term is curated. It's, yeah, sure, it's curated from a list of whatever. Kids, it was like an Apple Music playlist that the band made specially for you. Just for, just for yeah. everybody. How old are you people? So this is what I'm saying is it's a, it's a draft of albums, and it's going to go in this order, and I'm going to use the order to introduce the people who will be drafting. Anthony Johnston is here live and direct from across the pond to, to drop some probably metal knowledge on us along with maybe some Genesis. I don't know. Hi, Anthony. Welcome. Hello, hello. Uh, yes. Um, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. No, nope, uh, no spoilers. You will have to find out. You got the first pick. You're on the clock. You and the New York Jets are on the clock. Uh, er- Erica oh, Ensign will have the second pick. Hello. Oh, wow. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's early. You guys are trying. It's the, it's the sound of n- not being prepared. Andy Anatko will have the third pick. Hi, Andy. See, I got to be a first Beatles song. Ha! I dibs it. <laughs> Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit excited. With the fourth pick, it's David J. Lore. Hi, I've got a long-distance dedication to Bob out in Seattle, Washington this morning. <laughs> keep your oh, head right. on the ground <laughs> and, <laughs> and keep reaching for the taser. <laughs> this, just took a, this just took a turn. Steve Lutz will pick fifth. Hi, Steve. I was I, I was giddy about the album draft, and then I was briefly confused by the presence of what seems to be Casey Kasem, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who did not play. Coming albums. in at number twenty. How do you expect me to follow up David J. Lore with the goddamn dog dying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get you, Steve. I'll pick yeah. last. And the goal here, I, you know, I have no unifying concept. I mean, we could talk talk about that. This, these are the albums that you download to your phone before you go on the desert island. I go. don't <laughs> even know. But these are that's the idea. Is you're assembling a a record collection, a, a record collection. But there's only one copy of every record. So once somebody takes it, because it's a draft, it's gone, and you don't get it. We're raiding the Library of Congress uh, record section. After, After the, apocalypse. the apocalypse, right? We're, we're spite librarians. If we have it, no one else can have it. If this is a desert island selection, then it, this is uh, kind of an alternate universe version of me because I have quite specifically uh, done things like I haven't picked two albums by the same band. I've tried to yes. vary my genres because oh, yeah. otherwise I would just pick three hundred metal albums, I and mean, you know <laughs> nobody wants that. Yeah, th- that is the artificial nature of this. What about you? Somebody Anthony? wants that. 
Well, apart from me. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope that in the end you will have learned something um, or some crap like that. Anyway, let's begin. It's the first <laughs> round. Something. This is a draft, dude. It's a draft. <laughs> this is about us. <laughs> Screw them. So everybody gets Phil Hartman. We 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 pick we pick. You know, he did a lot of Poco album covers in the seventies. You can draft those if you would like Phil Hartman. But I'm not going to give Poco Pablo Cruz to you. And, and and everybody gets Hamilton except Erica. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and me. Phew. And, and, I and Anthony. still haven't heard it. Nobody gets Hamilton if they don't want it. It's not like that U2 album. Okay, Anthony, <laughs> with the first pick in the draft. Well, before I start, I just want to quickly uh, elaborate a little on that, that I have deliberately not picked uh, two albums by the same artist. I've tried to vary genres and not sort of be too close so that there's too much duplication. My f- feeling being that anybody listening to this, I'm hopeful that they will want to go out and find you know this stuff and so obviously if they don't like one genre like if they don't like metal well there's something wrong with them but you know they're also then not going to pick any of my choices because okay i could easily have picked like 10 albums by just the same two or three artists um uh, for the right. swipe all your favorite metal albums it's yeah, gonna be yeah, me on my own <laughs> island <laughs> yeah. um, all of the best metal of all time that you wish you'd picked but I am also, uh, and I'm saying this in advance so that people don't wonder why, I am focusing on generally older albums as a result, because I also figure that if people like the albums that I draft here, then they will probably like other stuff by the same artist. Ah. So, you know, start here, and then if you like these, there's plenty, with one exception, which is way down the list, so we probably won't get to it, but with one exception, all of the artists that I have picked have... Uh, multiple records available. So you're not going to go with the tactic of choosing albums you can either eat for food or crack <laughs> into some sort of rat. <laughs> or, uh, I, I shake I into that, a privy. That, that round zero of the draft is the personal philosophy and rules draft. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since we've done a draft. See, you forget these things, Jason. Uh, yeah, I know. I've never it's done hard. a draft. This is my first one. I figure I'm going to an island. There's not going to be a lot to look at except for palm trees and sand. So I just picked all of the albums with naked ladies on the cover. Oh, <laughs> That's a lot to choose from, Steve. He still can narrow that down. It genuinely is. Yeah. So my first album, Throwing Up the Horns, is Draconian Times from 1995 by Damn Paradise it. Lost. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't believe you, Steve. I do not believe you. Yep, that was uh, on, that was on my uh, list. No. Yeah. It is, uh, it is actually, it is the band's most like popular mainstream and accessible album. Um, it's not actually my favorite. My favorite of theirs is the album before this, which was called Icon, but I haven't picked that because this one is much easier for people to get into. And if you like this, you will almost certainly like the rest of their output. Paradise Lost are a gothic stroke doom rock metal band from the north of England, where I now live by pure coincidence, I assure you. Um, Starker. And it is it is heavy, gloomy, uh, gothic metal. 
It really, they practically invented gothic metal. The band, the band of the north of England, which yes, yes, it's like a right, summer's yeah. day in the north oh. of England. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and this album in particular, this was their fifth album and their first with a new drummer, a good drummer, because the previous drummer, by his own admission, was not that great. Um, Did he explode? And so, uh, no, he went on to be an MTV producer. So you know, not too that's, far. Off. That's worse. Not close. <laughs> Um, and so this album is very musically ambitious for them. Um, and uh, it's just, it's great. It's one of those albums that you can just put on repeat constantly, which I did when it first came out for many, many, many months. Uh, it's just perfectly crafted, you know, all killer, no filler, as they say. Um, and just really, really great. If you want to, if you like rock music, but you don't like sort of, you know, crazy, really ultra heavy metal, there is a really good chance that you might like this because it is melodic. There are songs, there are tunes, but it is also really heavy and it really rocks out. All right. So, well, Paradise Lost, Conian Times is off the board. Sorry, off Erica. Off the board. It's, it's your well, turn. Sorry to disappoint you all. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, if you take Jose Feliciano croons the Navidad hits right now, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> I want to wish you a... Oh, you go! <sighs> I'm out. <laughs> somebody, ins- somebody insert the sound effect of a slamming door. <laughs> it's, it's a good Live thing from Northern England, England. it's Feliz Navidad. Hey. It's a good thing you have all those voodoo dolls of each of us sitting on your desk right now. So. <laughs> yes. I'm How often do you have to replace pins. those? Uh, instead of poking them with pins, I'm going to be poking them with uh, r- uh, record needles. Um, Sorry, guys. Uh, Diamond. Like Anthony, I tried to sort of vary things and not go with all of the the same genre, which for me was pretty easy because I like a lot of different genres. And I actually didn't pick my favorite. Some some of my favorite bands didn't make the cut because I just like all of their songs as opposed to specific albums. I really tried to focus on an album that I liked from beginning to end. And most of my picks are are kind of, the early ones at least are nostalgia-based, the things that I glommed onto the earliest when I was a kid. Uh, but unlike Anthony, I don't really give a crap what other people are going to be able to get into and enjoy. <laughs> so so I really just picked the album that I like the best. Eat it, listeners. <laughs> but my first pick is actually not a big surprise if you listened to our David Bowie retrospective episode. My first pick, my favorite album of all time, is The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. And Stardust. The is off the board. Yep. So I'm, I'm not going to talk in great depth about that album. If you would like to hear why I like it and how I discovered it and all that stuff, that is all out there in episode <coughs> whatever of uh, uh, of the incomparable. You don't, don't you don't have that off the off just the top of your head. It's it's 283 by the way. Thank episode you. 283. I was, hoping, <laughs> I was hoping you would would step in for me there. I have a, I have a thing for concept albums, and that uh, that is I think my favorite concept album it's science fiction uh, so so that's my that's my pick for for number one solid right. pick solid yeah, pick good. thank you it's no paradise lost <laughs> but a solid pick nonetheless no but i will i will happily give my seal of approval to ziggy stardust i love that album 
Yeah. Hooray. I, I thought that one might actually be picked by multiple people. So there it's gone. Uh, number two. I am, I'm Solid happy pick. to be number two. Solid pick. <laughs> that is a great album. That is yeah. a truly, truly great album. Anthony's pick, a bit of a reach at number one. It probably would have been on the board at all other <laughs> rounds. But, you know, <laughs> it's fine. He's got it now. No one else can take that away from him. My entire list is like, I will be amazed if anybody picks any of the albums that I want to pick. So I'm really not worried about that. Are we even going to know them? <laughs> will we ever we'll we'll see. That may be the game. Is Have you ever heard of this album? <laughs> Andy? Uh, I'm going obvious. I'm going to go. I'm going to take Abbey Road by the Beatles. Uh, because it's uh, so obvious, it's, uh, but but <laughs> but damn it, it's obvious. It's, isn't it that isn't that great? It's it's the one it's one of the few albums of anyone there. I cannot listen to just one track of it. I'll pick one and then I just have to let it play through to the end. Uh, the side B feels like one entire song, and I know the story behind it is that of course the Beatles aren't getting along, and so they're not making an album so much as having a container for all of their solo work, but they got the best backup musicians in the business to to play them. That's okay. Um, this is the result of a band that's been together for uh, for like 10 or 15 years and have finally made an album that is just them relaxing and putting great music together. Uh, and almost every single track here is just so listenable and re-listenable. The other reason for picking Abbey Road is that if we're doing a Desert Island Discs and we did establish that we're taking the only existing copy, if I have the only copy of Abbey Road, I gotta feel as though that's extra incentive for them to find me and rescue me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's Paul McCartney's last album. Huh, interesting. Well, he was actually dead several albums before this came out. So. Unless they shot that cover to give people clues, not telling him that they were about to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> which would be which would make the, the rumor even more cool. It's a fascinating theory. Uh I, I have a Beatles album on my uh, list of possibilities. It's not that one though. So so you know, Andy insists that it's so obvious that it's Abbey Road. Maybe it's not so obvious. Who knows? I don't find it no, that no, obvious. For me, for me it's obvious. David, what's your choice? Well, um, I could pick Hamilton, but I'm not going to. No, don't do that. That's too easy. That's too easy. <laughs> but Hamilton. It is, it is an original cast album. Uh, it's Anything Goes from the 1987 Lincoln Center production. Oh, solid pick. You're the Tower of Pisa. You're the smile on the Mona Lisa. I'm a worthless check, a total wreck, a flop. Because that was the first show I saw live in New York. And ah. it's, you know, it's a good version of the score. It's a lot of classic Cole Porter songs. And then a couple of songs that I had never heard of that are really good, too. They could have been hits at the time. And uh, so, you know, it's a good album. But it's a great memory of a great performance. And that's that's one that I would want to 
take to a desert island and keep playing over and over again. When you said original cast album, I really thought you were going to say Rocky Horror. (laughs) (laughs) Also a good pick. Actually, yeah, that's not bad. Still on the board. Still on the board. Steve, uh, what's your choice? Wow. Well, I took a slightly different tack. You don't say. (laughs) Can you believe it? That uh, I, I took the uh, I took the desert island approach more seriously, and uh, I, because I was going through like the bands that I love, because I always I always got more into like a single band at a time. Like mm-hmm. when I got into the Beatles, I really got into the Beatles, and I absorbed every every album, poured over it, and kind of uh, did that band to death until you know I got tired of it, and then I moved on to another band. And so it was really really hard to pick an individual album by a band that I liked. I still stuck to one album per band just because yeah. I think it'd be really tiring if you or tiresome if you just pick the same band over and over again. The way I finally ended up choosing which album uh, was which of these, if I could never listen to it again, would I be the the saddest about. And in the case of the Beatles, that would be The Beatles from 1968, better known as mm. The White Album. Yeah. reason I love the White Album is just because, well, first of all, it's a double album, so it kind of sprawls. There's a lot of music on here. Um, and it's very eclectic, which I think my favorite thing about it is that they they go through a lot of, there's a lot of sort of genre exercises here, but they're really, really good genre exercise, exercises. And, um, you know, they go from like music hall to, to kind of more of a rootsy blues kind of thing to just this super pretty... Uh, acoustic number on Blackbird and they go through so many different musical styles in the space of whatever this is an hour and a half and uh, and it's all solid um, it's well produced but it's not George Martin to death like uh, um, so many of their other albums are you know it's there's still some ragged edges here um, it's clearly produced while the band were fighting. I mean, some of these songs, uh, like Why Don't We Do It in the Road, was just Paul McCartney going into a, a room somewhere and doing all the instruments himself. Um, and yet this is probably their greatest batch of songs, I think. Um, you can clearly tell that they were getting kind of ready to launch solo careers, and they had all this back catalog of songs that maybe they didn't necessarily want to play together. Um, but they're all so good. And uh, I have kind of gotten bored of all the other Beatles albums over the years, but this is the one I can still go back to just because there's so much of a, uh, a variety of things. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great album. Highly recommend the White Album. It is. You've got the volume there of, uh, there's so many songs that even if you right. bump off, uh, you know, your, your uh, uh, Revolution 9s, <laughs> there's, plenty, there's plenty left. You, you can build your favorite Beatles album from all of these tracks. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I loved about the Beatles back in the day, and, and a lot of bands back uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s, uh, was that there was a mystery to them. I mean, everything, you knew everything about their, their lives from uh, documentaries and whatnot, but there's something so spooky about 
just suddenly having Revolution 9 come out of nowhere, you know, completely out <laughs> yeah. of context. And you're thinking, what is wrong with these guys? <laughs> Before the internet, you had no way to find out what was wrong with these guys. Um, so you just had to, you know, kind of uh, ruminate in your room about, you know, what, are, what kind of creepy stuff are these guys getting up to? That they're Maybe Charles Manson was hearing messages. <laughs> All right. The White Album is on the board now. That's two Beatles albums in the first round. Well, yeah. that's... I'm obvious, not surprised. I, I almost went Beatles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could now, too, but I'm not going to because <laughs> I just want to be different. I am going to uh, take us to the uh, take us to the 80s, I think. And I'm going to uh, choose 1987's The Joshua Tree by a band called U2. You may have heard of them. They won't go away. Oh, my God. It's on my iPhone Despite right now. And now, and now, as we've spoken, I have downloaded that album to everyone's iPhone. So oh, enjoy. No. There it is. iPhone. Ha, ha. Enjoy. It's on your Android phone, Erica. There's a... There's no. a Get it off! Get it I've off! I rooted your phone do, and uploaded all of those tracks. Do you hear that knock tracks. at the door? It's, it's the Bono. album. It's actually just Bono. He's he's <laughs> he's passing it out door to door. Joshua Tree, uh, Daniel Lanois uh, produced a whole bunch of amazing albums in the 80s, including Peter Gabriel So and uh, Joshua Tree by U2. One of the things I looked for for this was... um Kind of batting average, high batting average in the in the album. Um, uh, there are some artists that I love who never I felt like never made a truly great album because there would always be too much junk on it. And you know you could argue that for the white album, but uh, like I said, I think there's so much on the white album that it's okay to just yeah okay you know <laughs> skip over some of them. But I do have some beloved artists that I I couldn't list at all. I think the the Joshua Tree is. Uh, Along with Octung Baby, actually, I think they're both albums with a, a shockingly great batting average. It, I love the sound of it. I love the expansiveness. That is one of the trademarks of that Daniel Lanois production in the eighties. It, it is it is airy. Um, the the songs, like Steve said about about the White Album. I mean, you've got the kind of traditional U two anthems, things that have become incredibly familiar, like Where the Streets Have No Name, um, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for, and With or Without You. But you've also got some uh, very different sounding things. Things, uh, including, I, I really like the one-two punch of In God's Country and Trip Through Your Wires. Um, and uh, Running to Stand Still is a beautiful, uh, slow, sad song as well. So I just, uh, U2 is probably in my top five favorite artists, maybe top ten. And I think this is uh, their best album. John Syracuse is out there somewhere going, no, no, that's not <laughs> it. But uh, I think I, I think it is. And uh, so if I'm on the desert island and I can only take one U2 album, I'm going to take The Joshua Tree. For decades, I've been calling him Daniel Lenoy. I think it's Lenoir, because I <laughs> think he's no, Lenoir. I just he's, looked it up. You're he's right, Acadian. it is Lenoir. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, he's... Oh, man. That's yeah. going to be a hard one to shake. Lenoir. Lenoir. <laughs> it's an album I almost put on my list. Uh, Willie Nelson's Teatro which he it's it's like covers and hey it's not david's turn it's not what's going on no i was just gonna say it's produced by daniel lanois and it's the best willie nelson album well and so is peter gabriel's best album yes and and robbie robertson's excellent self-titled album from 1987 also daniel lanois a very good album as well so there's he did a lot lot of of good work and the developing here and the unforgettable fire the (laughs) the album before this uh was also his production and is also spectacular let me take a break to tell you about our sponsor for this episode of the incomparable 
it is IT Pro TV. What is your career plan in 2016? Are you going to start a career in IT? Are you already working in the field? Well, certifications and credentials are key to getting a job or a promotion, and that's what IT Pro TV is all about. It's education through engagement. They have lots and lots of videos, up-to-date video content, access to quality tools that will help prepare you for technical certification. This isn't just about learning one little subject. This is about becoming certified and helping give your career a boost. They have more than a thousand hours of content with 50 hours being added each week. It's really interesting to look at. It's styled like a TV show. It is not dry, but some of these classes are also incredibly deep with as much as 20, even 30 hours of content. These are full courses, not just short videos. They are streamed live so you can ask questions of the instructors while they're recording them or watch them on demand. They go to TV boxes like Chromecast and Roku. They go to computers and mobile devices so you can watch these videos pretty much anywhere and topics run the gamut there's apple certified support professional there's apple certified technical coordinator amazon web services ethical hacking virtualization security cryptography pmp lean six sigma all sorts of different courses they're all transcribed you can watch them from start to finish or jump to the part that you're looking for there are more than a hundred step-by-step virtual machine labs and transcender practice exams that's 109 dollars value and what do you have to pay for this there's one low monthly subscription price and a no hassle cancellation policy. If you're studying with a book or enrolled in a certification or technical degree program, this is a fantastic supplement to learn at your own pace and track your progress. And it's much cheaper than a boot camp. And if you're a working IT pro, this is an ongoing resource you can use to keep your skills current. There's also corporate pricing and group pricing available. And their clients include Harvard, MIT, UCSD. That's my alma mater, by the way, Stanford, not my alma mater, and much, much more. So check out itpro.tv slash Snell to upgrade your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Premium subscriptions normally $57 a month or $570 per year, but we have a special offer. You can try it free for seven days when you sign up using code SNELL to check out the courses, live stream, and more. You'll get 30% off for the lifetime of your account, so that's less than $40 per month or $399 for the entire year. That's itpro.tv slash SNELL. Use code SNELL to try it free for seven days and save 30%. Thanks to IT Pro TV for sponsoring the incomparable. Anthony, tell us something we've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> My second pick is uh, The Reptile House by the Sisters of Mercy. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. You get yep. a cookie. Uh, you would, if, if you'd heard it, you'd remember it. Reptile House was 1983. Technically, it's an EP, but it's very long and slow, so it's album length. <laughs> um, no idea if it's available on streaming. Physically, uh, it was never released by itself on CD, but it was uh, shoved onto the end of the Song Girls Wonder by Mistake compilation album. Uh, it is slow, long, melancholic, 
doomy. Uh, this was probably my first exposure to like real goth, like proper non-rock goth, because the sisters when they started were very much a post-punk rock band. Lots of uh, sort of jagged, sharp, screeching guitars and fast drums and stuff. And this is completely the opposite. It's I'd like you were just saying about Daniel Lenoir's production. Actually, it's very airy, very expansive. There's it's just really slow and it's full of reverb and all the instruments are shoved way down in the mix and swamped in effects. Uh, the lyrics are completely indecipherable and unintelligible. It's about politics and religion and life and death and love and everything. And uh, Steve, you were saying about McCartney playing all the instruments himself on Why Don't We Do It In The Road? That's exactly what this album was. Andrew Eldritch, the lead singer, uh, basically recorded this entire thing himself. Um, even though the band had, you know, a guitarist and a bass player and what have you, uh, he just played all the instruments, wrote the whole thing, played it all himself, and then just said to the band, this is our next release. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Hope you um, enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, which kind of explains why it's so sparse. You can tell it's... You can Thanks tell for coming to the meeting, by... guys. We made an album. Yeah. Just thought you'd like to know. <laughs> you can tell that it's performed by somebody who isn't like a virtuoso, but that's also why it's so great, because that's the source of this sparse sound that you get. It's like, I think, was it Johnny Cash who said that style is just another word for the things you can't play? And that's exactly what <laughs> yeah. this album is. It is so <laughs> sisters. And it, it's just, I can listen to it over and over and over again. I, this is an, a proper Desert Island album for me. I would absolutely take this over. And I love the sisters, but I would take this over any other sisters release. So is this the one I should go for if I want to finally get into the Sisters of Mercy, as I've been told many, many times I should? Um, yes, but it the Sisters are a really complicated band in many ways, but even sonically, they have three very distinct periods. Their first album was all like sort of uh, rocky post-punk. Their second album is really big stadium goth. And their third album is basically goth rock made for the American market and failed. Uh, it's a great album, but failed to make any commercial impression on the American market. So it really depends what you're into. But um, email me off list and I will helpfully, uh, you know, I will gladly help curate. you through the... Curate your, uh, my sister's curate, mercy experience. Navigate nice. your way through the sisters, absolutely. You're not going to Syracuse me and just say, start at the beginning. <laughs> No, God no. Their first single's terrible. Mm. Their first single is awful. It was literally made. Yeah, but for still, like, for the proper experience of the Sisters you have of Mercy, to watch really the progression. Yeah, start no, with the, the early demos. Seriously, nobody, nobody thinks that the first record is any good. Not even the band themselves. Mm. They're like, no, don't listen to that. It's terrible. <laughs> and yet, John made me listen to the first eleven episodes of the Flophouse. So, uh, Erica, it's your it's your choice. Hey, okay, my uh, my second pick is. I guess this one would be a Desert Island disc for me. It's possibly the album i've listened to more times than any other album in my entire life and it is one that that i came to very young i'm getting my canadian quotient in early even though i <laughs> discovered it way before i moved to canada it is uh joni mitchell's 1974 album court and spark he was sitting in the lounge of the empire hotel he was drinking for diversion he was thinking for himself blue money riding on the maple leaves along comes a lady in lacy sleeves she said Actually, 
Actually, this one isn't really a concept album, but it kind of feels like it could be because all of the songs just flow so effortlessly into one another. Um, her songwriting is very interesting. And I think for her voice, for me, this is this is the sweet spot. Or perhaps this is her butter zone uh, when it huh? comes to her voice. Oh. A lot of people... <laughs> Johnny a lot of people, Mitchell's butter zone. <laughs> oh, Steve. There we go. A lot of people love Blue, which is a, a good album, but I feel like Court and Spark, her voice is just a little bit more controlled and smooth, but not too smooth so that it doesn't sound like, you know, that Joni Mitchell sound. Uh, so I just I just love it. And it, this is definitely one where it is the album that I love because it has a lot of tracks that I like. But when I look at the song list, I can't pick, you know, one thing that I love more than anything else. I just want to listen to the whole thing all the way through from the beginning to the end. And, you know, now I'm I'm an NHL fan and uh, this album was the, the first time I ever heard of the Maple Leafs. So I oh. feel like there's a little bit of connection. You know, I've, I've come to Canada. It's, it's come full circle. Now I hate them. But uh, but at least I, I heard of them earlier on in my in my life. So I would totally take Court and Spark with me to to any desert island. I believe with uh, your participation and your picking of this album, we now have qualified for funding from the Canadian government. So thank <laughs> you. On, baby. <laughs> thank you. Depends. Is she singing in French? <laughs> That'll come later. Uh, Andy, what's your choice? My next one is uh, one of these two decades old favorites of mine. It's the second collaboration between Tony Bennett and Bill Evans. Uh, Bill, Tony Bennett and Bill Evans together again. The shade of a willow where love was born. A face on a pillow in early morn. I still see that golden world in all its splendor. It is one of the foremost jazz pianists ever and one of the foremost jazz musicians uh, singers ever and no orchestra no nothing it's just tony bennett singing bill evans playing and you could tell that it's it's just like the album cover it feels like tony bennett leaning on the piano with one shoulder in a nice but not complicated suit and Bill, uh, Bill Evans, the jazz guy with kind of unkempt hair and, and a beard, just focusing on the keyboard and song after song. It's just there are two tracks that are absolutely devastating. Uh, you must believe in spring uh, and maybe September. And those are the ones where it's like, I have to keep those off of this. If, if there's a uh, if there's a tick box for do not ever include this in shuffle play, those are both enabled because it's like you must believe in spring, which is about, well, you know, just like, you know, if, if, if you've fallen out of love and the relationship has fallen, you know what? There's a rose sleeping beneath the snow that's slumbering and just holding out faith that at some point the, the sun will come out again and it'll be spring again. And like, OK, time to drink whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve love. I don't know why I don't have it. It's it's just so beautiful. It's not just his voice, but also these piano interludes that are just uh, you're just blown away by any example of human beings doing something as well as any human being will ever do this. This is the very, very, very top, and it's just uh, I've, I've, I came across it when I got into my uh, I started I started becoming such a Tony Bennett fan. It was like okay, buy every single album he has recorded, and I almost I, I pretty much came to a dead stop there because it became listen to this album over and over and over again. The quality is just impeccable. I was going to ask which direction you came at it from. Were you a Tony Bennett fan or a Bill Evans fan? Had you even heard of Bill Evans before you uh, came to this album? 
had not heard of Bill Evans, and boy, did I feel like a dope for not having. Actually, I think Bill Evans, this album was my introduction to jazz because for me, jazz was always defined as like Miles Davis, like. <laughs> Where do I buy okay. that album? Exactly. <laughs> Coming soon as 99 cent track on iTunes. Mm. Uh, and then, it's called. So- how do you spell that? Mm-hmm. The follow-up yeah. to their smash hit. <laughs> Collapse P on the stage. Uh, yeah, and and of course, then I had to buy pretty much every Bill Evans album because, good man alive, mm. it's uh, this is the sort of music that I really really like. It's melodic. It's improvisational. And uh, I was at a conference with somebody who was also a, a, a jazz musician who worked with Bill Evans, and I was talking to him like during like uh, the, in the speaker's room, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I mean." It's not it's not that anybody should be taking drugs, but there's some people who absolutely should not. And Bill Evans was one of those people. Yeah, I mean, if if everybody's, you know, it's like your basic jazz album is kind of blue. He's on kind of blue. It's like you've probably heard Bill Evans without knowing it. Mm-hmm. Right. He may be behind you right now. Yeah. <laughs> David, what is your uh, second selection? You have anything goes already on your board. I have anything goes. Uh, my next pick is also pegged to a, a nice memory and a nice moment in time. Uh, it's the uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Concert in Central Park live album. Good man. Partly because, I mean, I, I love their music. I grew up on both, you know, the Simon and Garfunkel and then the Paul Simon by itself. I really, I've listened to the Art Garfunkel albums, but I don't own them. Not even that's Art Garfunkel an, owns that's them. That's intentional. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but part of the reason I love this is, you know, because they, you know, they had their falling out. They they got back together for this event, and that was it for a long time. Um, but as a result, you have Art singing those beautiful harmonies on all the Paul Simon songs in the concert too, and that's the only time you're going to hear them like that. And and there's so much, there, there, there's just there's something about the two of them singing together that I just I love. I can read the writing on the wall Code of chrome They give us those nice bright colors They give us the green The summers Makes you think all the world's A sunny day, oh yeah And, uh, and again, you know, it was just It was a, a very It hit me at the right moment in time, and so it's pegged to a, a really nice period of time it, where, where I had first moved to the New York area, and it was a very strange place and strange time. And this was an album I listened to over and over and over again. I think it might have been the first album I bought on iTunes when iTunes became a thing. It's like, okay, I need this digitally. I need this on my phone wherever I go. Steve, uh, what is your selection? You have the White Album. Wow, I'm really glad you guys all have terrible taste in music because it allowed (laughs) what is objectively the greatest album ever recorded to make it all the way into the second round where I can snatch it up now. I'm referring, of course, to 1991's uh, Loveless by My Bloody Valentine.
if, it was, if it's objectively the best album of all time, why did you not pick it first? Because you knew yeah, that's we. Yeah, I want to know. Because I knew you guys had terrible taste in yeah, music. Yeah, okay. I or see. I suspected, and now you it's been joke, confirmed. Steve, but <laughs> I, I had a feeling when you mentioned Sisters of Mercy that this may be on your list. So I was, uh, I, I'm glad I snapped it up. My Bloody Valentine is best known as a. There was a, a short live genre in the early '90s, late '80s, known as uh, shoegaze or sometimes dream pop, where basically. Um, they would take a kind of a standard alternative rock song and then just pile on layer upon layer of guitars and effects until it's basically unrecognizable as music. Um, and depending on the band or the the uh, you know the particular drug predilection of whoever's in the band, um, it could either sound like just a just shards of noise or it could still sound like you know this great beautiful pop alternative song that just happens to be kind of, uh, you know, being listened to from under a pool of quicksand. Uh, and this is the latter. I think this may be actually the pinnacle of the genre. Um, and uh, very shortly after this, uh, music was destroyed by the arrival of grunge. So uh, <laughs> the genre did not, uh, did not continue on much past this point anyway. But I don't think anybody would have would have necessarily topped this, even if uh, even if it had been allowed to continue. Um this album, I think it sounds it sounds almost like it phased in from another dimension completely, and then just for good measure, because it didn't already sound weird enough, they immersed the CD player in mud before they played it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's just piles and piles of guitars and tremolo and effects, and a whole batch of really great songs underneath. Um, like the Sisters of Mercy, uh, the vocals are buried way down in the mix. Um, it might be about religion or politics. Nobody has any idea. I don't even know if the band has any idea. <laughs> Um, this is an album that I have listened to literally probably a thousand times, and I still hear something new every time I listen, mm. which is is shocking to me. But the way that the different uh, the different um, layers kind of uh, blend with each other or don't, depending on the mood that you're in, it's just a, it's a fascinating listen, and uh, I really really love it. And so I'm going to take it off the board. I know you guys are all sad. All right, that's uh, uh, my bloody Valentine's loveless. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, for my next selection, I am going to choose uh, one of my favorite albums. It is two thousand and threes. Look, it's twenty first century. How about that? <laughs> that's wow. not allowed. I know. Welcome, Interstate Managers by no! Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> you sniped me. Gosh darn it! Look at wow. that. Some sniping has happened. I used to work in a record store Now I work for my dad Scraping the paint off of hardwood floors The hours are pretty bad Sometimes I wonder where you are Probably in L.A. That seems to be where everybody This is a spectacularly good pop album. Fountains of Wayne, using a lot of... Uh, uh, th these are the guys... Uh, Adam Schlesinger wrote the that in impossibly catchy song that is played 90 times in the movie That Thing You Do. 
he he's collaborating with Rachel Bloom on a lot of the songs that are in uh, on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the CW show. A very talented songwriter. He and his uh, cohort, Chris Collingwood, uh, very good songwriters. They make kind of ultra pop music. Uh, you may know this album as being the the place where Stacy's mom resides when she's not out by the pool. Uh, <laughs> a, 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 a spectacular bit of eighties pop songwriting from two thousand three. Um, but but this album is is remarkable in that it it kicks into gear with seven fantastic pop songs before it hits a slight speed bump. Uh, and the batting average on it is spectacularly high, including a wide range of styles. There's a Paul Simon esque song that is beautiful called Hey Julie. There is uh, there are a couple kind of funny hippy dippy songs, Peace and Love and uh, and Super Collider. And it's just I I, I love it. There's uh, it's yeah, it, it is a spectacular pop album. Um, and it really, it's the the batting average that does it for me. Erica, was this on your list? Yes, it was. Oh, <laughs> yep, I really yep, love their first it. album too, but this one is, I think, the one for them. I had trouble. I had trouble picking from all of their albums, but I agree. This is the one that you know. I I love concept albums, and this just feels like a concept album in in a way. All of the songs really sort of fit together. I think uh, Adam Schlesinger is great, but I think Chris Collingswood has perfected the art of the vignette song. Yeah. He just like every song is this little slice of life that feels so real, and you just understand the motivations of the people that are in those songs whether they're the light fluffy silly ones or the really heartfelt things what what did you think was the the speed bump uh a little red light i think is a little too crass and uh it's i think it's some of their worst tendencies but but i mean this has got it's got a song about a a football quarterback in the moment where he's about to win the big game and it is contemplative and beautiful which is crazy it has a song about seasonal affective disorder that is beautiful called valley winter song That's um one of my favorites. and and it's got a sort of 60 psychedelia tinged song called no better place that is about somebody being sort of left behind in new york city by somebody who's gone on to other things um, and of course, mm-hmm. Hackensack, which is the greatest yep. stalkery, you're famous now, but I went to high school with you, but you wouldn't remember a kind of song that you would ever hear. So it's, it's spectacular. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad, Erica, mm-hmm. that I was not alone and I sniped you. So I, I'm glad I, I sniped you. I listened to it yesterday in preparation and now you've taken it. Beautiful. So. Beautiful. I don't understand why Power Pop is, does never gets the, the respect that I think it deserves. I mean, this is, this, mm. in a perfect world, 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 this should be a universally known album. I think. Agreed. Yeah. Because it's so good and it's so well crafted and the songs are catchy as hell and it's beautifully produced and song after song, you, you just, you know, you're always snapping your fingers and tapping your toes the whole time through. And it's, it's coupled with also, I think some great somewhat sardonic lyrics, which oh, yeah. work very well as well. And, and yet you mention uh, the album or the band to your average person down the street and they'll they'll blink at you and say, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you bringing <laughs> up weird bands to me? <laughs> I don't even know you. They will think that you are referring to the Garden Supply Store in Wayne, New Jersey, from which the band took its <laughs> name. Yes. Which actually is, I think, better known than the band itself. So uh, yes. I've literally never heard of this band Oh, before. my God. Oh, my God. Very good. Yes, yeah, see, this this was on my long list, but I assumed Jason was going to pick it. So, I but but I... I Came came back to it. I, I had known the singles, obviously, but I came back to it because of uh, Adam Schlesinger and David Javerbaum collaborating on stuff like the Colbert Christmas Special yep. and and songs for the Tony Awards and that that brilliant song "What If Life Were More Like Theater" from a couple of years ago with Neil Patrick Harris running around doing everything on the stage and then running from the back of the house and all that. That was them too. And I went, wait a minute, who's this guy? And I I went back to their their Broadway work. They, they've done stuff on Broadway and then came back to Fountains of Wayne and went, 
Oh, of course. Very talented uh, people. Yeah, check them out. The first album it sounds very much like uh, sort of a Beatles album that got put through a grunge filter, which yes. is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, and all I, I would say all their albums are good, but their first three oh. are especially spectacular. And so. their collection of uh, B-sides and, and extra stuff, out-of-state plates, is is also pretty amazing. I saw them. I saw them on their sort of acoustic tour before uh, their more recent. Uh, album and they did actually they did Stacy's mom because of course they had to do it but they did it acoustic style and much slower and they kind of rearranged the whole song and it was it was great they are they are exquisite musicians and on, wonderful. on out of state plates you can also hear their version of baby one more time the Britney Spears hit and they kill Excellent. it they kill they it <laughs> Love all right cover version round three Anthony what do you have I have picked for my third pick. This was a tough one, actually, because there's a lot of albums that could be here at number three. But I have gone for Scoundrel Days by Aha, ah. their second album. Uh, from Aha 19- makes an appearance. I was not expecting that. <laughs> from 1986. <laughs> Although I considered their first album, I have to say. Well, the, so. well their, first album, their first album is great, but it is obviously a band that don't quite know where they're headed. Yet. That is true. Um, everybody thinks of Aha. This is one of my pet bugbears. Everybody thinks of Aha as the band that did Take On Me, the one it wonders. These guys are still, well, they were still going until a few years ago. They split up. Now they're reforming because they got bored. They have been going constantly. They have put out something like 10 albums and they are all brilliant. They are incredibly good songwriters. In my view, they belong up there with the Bee Gees and ABBA and the Carpenters as some of the greatest pop music ever produced. In fairness, the reason that people know them for Take On Me and to a lesser extent, uh, The Sun Always Shines on TV is because those are two absolutely sublime songs. Mm -hmm. They're fantastic and they were huge hits, of course, but uh, so many people don't realise that there is so much more to them than that. And this album is the album that really proved it for me, much more so than the first one, Hunting High and Low. This is, uh, it's kind of a homesick album. You can tell that they've been living away from Norway for a long time. And a very old friend of mine who's also a fan used to, you know, call it that, oh, I wish I was back in Norway album. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's clearly what it is. It's a longing for home. Lots of songs about like love and growing up and becoming adults and dealing with life and tragedy. Uh, No one's Uh, ever done that before. Yeah, I know, I know. But it is so good. (laughs) So catchy. It has Cry Wolf on it, which I know was a minor hit in the US. It was a huge hit in Europe, minor hit in the US. So you may have heard that. You probably haven't heard anything else off this album. And that's a real shame because it is so great. They even they even venture, just touch, brush up against the edge of heavy metal in uh, a track called Manhattan Skyline, where they actually have distorted guitars, <gasps> I think, which may be the only time they ever appear on an AHA album. Wow. Um, <laughs> but this is one of the greatest pop music albums uh in history full stop and nobody knows it and that kills me all right i will i will go out and listen to scoundrel days after this podcast because i i yeah, do love too. their first album Thank uh, you, particularly Steve. the title track which is uh, a very 
pretty love song that's hauntingly well, aching hauntingly high good. low yeah 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 oh, well, it's the, the, t- the title track on this scoundrel days is completely the opposite it's the first track on the album and it is a massive soaring like running through the fields rock anthem type song completely the opposite of hunting high and low it sets the stage so well for the whole album wow. all right all right that's uh that's good i have also heard of AHA and heard music by AHA. You could say they're unjustly maligned, but I won't. Heard of this band. <laughs> Erica, what do you have for your third selection? Erica, what do you have? Um, well, you know, if we didn't if we didn't qualify as CanCon before, I think we certainly will now. I am I am stuck in Canada. I am stuck Test, in the... Uh, is it... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Brian is, Adams. It, is it the Crash Test Dubbies? Is it Brian Adams? Is it the Rack of the Ed- Edmund Fitzgerald? If you say Nickelback, I will punch you through this microphone. Oh, are they Canadian? <laughs> Boards of Canada. <laughs> And I'm also stuck in the 1970s. I am picking 1972's Harvest by Neil Young, which, again, is is one of those albums that I think my parents just listened to so many times it became a part of my soul. (laughs) Well, I see you give more than I can take. Well, I only harvest some. As the days fly past, will we lose our grass? Uh, I like a lot of Neil Young, but this is the one that just spoke to me. I think it's some of his strongest songwriting. It's it's before he sort of retreated from the spotlight. It's actually kind of what put him in the spotlight. Um, and it's it's sort of the, the pretty singer-songwriter stuff, which I, I gravitate to, and I love his more grungy electrical stuff as well. Um, but this is, this is where my heart lies. And it has uh, some amazing, uh, ex- well, not extras exactly. It features the London Symphony Orchestra on a couple of tracks, which just makes them feel very swelling and, and touching. And you've got guest vocals by Graham Nash and David Crosby and Stephen Stills and Linda Ronstadt and James Taylor. And it was just, it was a huge album for him. And it was a huge album for me as a kid. Uh, and and I think one of the things that drew me to another favorite Canadian band, the the Waylon Jennies, is uh, their cover of Old Man, which was a Neil Young song that I loved so much from this album. So uh, if if you're not a Neil, Neil Young fan already and you don't know about him, I, I recommend this as a good a good entry point if you like the sort of the softer stuff and and yeah and then also check out the Waylon Jennings cover of uh, of Old Man because it's it's great and also Canadian and they actually still live in Canada as opposed to Neil Young. Neil Young is Canadian. I I genuinely didn't know Neil Young was Canadian. Oh, he's very Canadian. Yes. Well, <laughs> yes. except I, that he doesn't I have live here harvest. anymore. I own it, and I had no idea. He li- lives in Hawaii, basically, but yeah. he's Canadian. Now you got to throw that album out. Smart Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> to, to live in Hawaii. All right. Uh, okay, Erica. I thought you were going with Men Without Hats, but you went in a different way. That's fine. <laughs> I hear no, enough Men list. Without Hats on the radio here in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. I was I was thinking maybe Rush or Tragically Hip, but no, neither of those. Oh, don't talk about the hip. I almost I'm, I'm put twitching. a Rush album on my uh, on my list, but I did uh, not. There is a Rush album on my list. Wow. I, I would have gone with Bruce Coburn, but he's actually good. Uh. I actually I know more Rush than than my husband, who has lived in Canada all his life. They come on the radio, I can sing along, and he's like, "How do you know this?" Oh. Apparently, Rush is more popular outside. 
Canada. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a Rush she album on my list. She knows it because Rush is fantastic. Yep. That's why. That's why. Well, that too. That too. Andy, it is your turn. Uh, my pick is gonna be uh, how to have a They Might Be Giants album. So I picked the Spine. Which is my definitely my favorite of of all of the They Might Be Giants albums. As usual, it's just such an eclectic mix. It's like uh, there there are times where I'm listening to this all the way through, and I f- forget that I don't have it on shuffle play with other artists because there's just such a, such a, a variety here. Also, I love the fact that. Uh, Coming down from uh, the Bill Evans album, where it's just like, okay, now I'm so moody, and now, okay, well, th- you know what? This is timeless, timeless. It just, it just plugs straight into the human condition of that, which this is just <laughs> experimental film that is, is the leadoff track that's just about, I'm going to make an experimental film, and it's going to be really, really lame. I really want you to be involved in it, <laughs> and I don't know... <laughs> I I don't know what makes your head explodes, but that's what makes your face explode. And you just have to dance to it. And it's just great from start to finish. Uh, so this is uh, one of those things where you can't stop just moving around while you're listening to it. I just I, I they've been they've been doing, doing nothing but cranking on albums in every all kinds of genres for they're doing the soundtracks, they're doing kids albums. And every single track, you get the impression that they love what they do for a living. And they really want to keep this gravy train going as long as they possibly can. <laughs> I do love They Might Be Giants. This is not m- close to my favorite They Might Be Giants album, but it's okay because uh, everybody can have their favorite, and there are some really great tracks on the spine. Although the best one is Lincoln. I, I love their kids' or, albums. Or, or, or Flood or John Henry, but you know. Uh, flood, flood falters a bit in the middle half. Yeah, it does. It, it just kind of fades away. Actually, I think John, John Henry, which has no kind of hit-sounding songs, I think is a fantastic album. It's just kind of... It's more cohesive. It was, it was yeah. going to be... Be- it was going to be between those two. I, what I like about uh, basically, I picked the spine chiefly because there are more songs that I just look forward to on when they come up on shuffle. But also because, um, like, I, I was I was looking at Foo Fighters albums as well, and it was like, okay, well, the first one, God, did I love that? But a lot of that was because I'd never heard them before, and they just that's the one that really introduced me to them. And then when you look at some of these bands, three or four albums, being their in first where, album, now, that tends to have that effect. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying that's the, that's the reason why you you, you when you when they, after they made third or three or four or five, you realize that oh well, now they've been in the studio for a long time and now they're much more together as a band and they've really formulated their point of view a lot more sharply. And it's not as though you don't uh, you you've stopped liking their first album, but you it's no longer your favorite because. Uh, the third or fourth or fifth album. It's like Abbey Road. I love every Beatles album, but this is the one that's, this is the residue of 10 years of them playing together uh, and having their own experiences and knowing how to work together. Yeah. All right. We love They Must Be Giants. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, David? (laughs) Well, you know, I I love good storytellers and, and especially storytelling songs that can, can just sort of get into your brain. Uh, which again is why I like Hamilton, but, but not picking Hamilton. Um, and I was trying to think of albums, recent albums that I've just been listening to a lot over and over again. And I'm going to go with one from 2011. So this decade, which is crazy. Amazing. Um, 
<laughs> Something Fierce by Marion Call. Heads on a scatter and story. What we want, what we mean, what we need, they can no more misread. Cause once you know what you know, then you know how you know that you temporal domino stick to the sky. Spiraling syllables strung out to try. When he damned up the river of results that fish couldn't fly, she mustered the metal to try. It's a double album, so again, you've got a lot of music for a desert island, uh, but it's just, it's 19 really good songs. I can listen to this endlessly while I'm, while I'm going around the house or doing whatever or driving around or, or just relaxing. Uh, they're, they're wonderful stories. Uh, most of them have a really good sense of humor and, uh, and Marion is just delightful. She's delightful in concert. She's delightful in person. She's delightful on albums. She has she has a couple of other albums. She has one album that is is like all songs inspired by Firefly. I mean, she's she has geek cred, but this is just a good solid collection of stories. It's it's delightful. All right, Marion Call uh, on the board, and we we've, we've hit something from this decade now. It's amazing, Steve. <laughs> uh, time for you to mock us about failing to pick the obvious choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of you's picked a Pink Floyd album yet, so I guess it falls to me to do the right thing again. Mm-hmm. Hang on, I'm not appropriately <laughs> toked up yet to appreciate Pink Floyd. Yeah, that's more of a later round pick. <laughs> <laughs> if you play that against this episode, they match up. I got to turn on the lasers, Steve. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Note from Canada: uh, I, I'm told don't go see um, don't go see Pink Floyd in the summertime in Edmonton because when they play outdoors, they have to wait until after 11 p.m. to actually start the concert. And you still can't see the lasers at that point. And by then the band is asleep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they've gone back to the hotel. Because they're really Okay, Pink Floyd. What, most what, of them are dead. Which one? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, man. Pink Floyd. Wow. <laughs> that's a question we're asking you. Oh, you want an answer to that question. <laughs> right, but when you think about it, man, it's a question for the universe. Well, this is an interesting predicament I find myself in. I'm being asked a Yeah, question. you have to choose. Oh, man. Well, what to do? Wow. Well, uh, Pink Floyd was probably the second band that I kind of immersed myself in after the Beatles. And uh, dearly love almost everything they did. They are a great album band, so it seemed like for the album draft, they'd be a good fit. Um, really, anything from uh, Dark Side of the Moon up to um, The Wall, maybe the final cut, but maybe not, um, would qualify as, as best albums of all time for me. But I'm going to pick what is actually my favorite Floyd album that I never get tired of, and that is Metal from 1971. Partly because, uh, again, with the eclecticism, it starts off with uh, One of These Days, which is fairly hard-rocking for the Floyd, uh, and is almost like a, this very atmospheric sort of horror movie soundtrack, and then it drifts through this really kind of mellow um, section on a pillow of winds, has one of their iconic songs in Fearless, which is a, just a fantastic song. There's a little light jazz in Saint-Tropez. Um, Seamus is also present. But, you know, it's short. And um, then, it, then it culminates with uh, probably their greatest album side length composition, which is Echoes, which is just 
unbelievably great. And uh, I love the atmosphere to it. I like the lyrics that seem to be about, I don't know, some kind of sea creature rising from the depths. It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's, uh, it's one of those songs that just kind of you can get into and sort of float around in and sort of feel the waves of the music drifting in and out. And it's... Uh, oh, it's a great, great song. It's a great album. Um, it's one of the few that uh, that I could really seriously consider taking to a desert island with me because unlike the others, I haven't gotten tired of it. And uh, I considered picking Dark Side just because it's such a great album and such an iconic album and such a an album's album. Mm. Um, but I can no longer enjoy Dark Side of the Moon <laughs> because I've heard it too many times mm. uh, in too many contexts. So yeah, metal. That's uh, that's the one that uh, that you should listen to. Okay, uh, Floyd, because it's great. Good to know. But not a metal album, ironically. Not a metal album. No, no, wrong. wrong. A metal album. Metal. Yes. Metal. M e d d l e. Metal. Yes, metal. As in, uh, if it were for you, meddling as kids. As in aluminium. Yeah. <laughs> aluminium. What the hell is that? Who let uh, the British guy on? All right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, uh, so uh, for my choice, you know, everybody, everybody, all the critics, everybody loves and cites the influence of Radiohead's OK Computer. And that's why I'm choosing their best album, The Benz, the Benz. <laughs> <laughs> from 1995. Jason, you just sniped him out of my pit. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Jason is the master sniper Ooh, tonight. Yeah. The Benz, it is, uh, you know, I, I first heard Radiohead through through some of their later stuff that was uh, critically acclaimed and uh, less, ac- less accessible. I actually like a lot of the later stuff, too, but for me, this is the moment where Radiohead still kind of wanted to be U2, but was inexorably Radiohead. That is the best. And this is a song, this is an album full of fantastic songs. Um, uh, you know, High and Dry is beautiful. The Benz is a great album. Planet Tel- or a great uh, song on this album. Planet Telex is great. Um, and uh, Black Star kills me every time. Such a great, and, and it's full of great songs. So what can I say? Uh, My Iron uh, Long is terrific. It is. Uh, what is it? Uh, you do it to yourself. That's called something else, right? Uh, yeah, that's um, just. I think just. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and, and the thing I will say for, for you who are rolling your eyes at Radiohead because you you have heard them as these kind of oblique drony uh, art arty experimental rockers from their latter period and thought, oh yes, well no wonder the critics like them and no wonder they're so esoteric. This is a rock mm. album and it sounds yeah. like a rock album. It's a, and it's a really great rock album. It is not uh, just kind of loop and weird meandering sounds in the background it is a a real legitimate rock album and has their good. ambient music uh, reputation really overtaken their early rock reputation i yes. think they're it, i think yeah i think i think that people sucks. people think kid a yeah. and, and i've never even yeah. i've never actually listened to the bends uh, oh I my like god the bends is so good fine, but maybe i will check it out now it's wonderful and it rocks and it's sad yeah it is. It is. It is like a. Uh, yeah. It's a weird, like parallel universe. What if? What if the Radiohead you know was trying to be you too, 
that's the Benz. It is a rock. It is a rock album. It has got it's got guitars and stuff, and not just weird. You know, York, Tom York uh, muttering while loops play, which again I like a lot of the latter day Radiohead stuff, but not as much as I like the Benz. I would pick this album just because of Planet Telex alone. You could just put Planet Telex on a disc, and I would say that is a great album. I would do that with Black Star. I just play Black Star over and over again. I would I would listen to that. So yeah, okay. There Good you go. Stuff. I'm sniping. I'm sniping. All right. I, I must amend my earlier uh, assessment of your terrible musical taste. Thank because you. you. Just picked a decent album. Okay. Good job. <laughs> well, there are many more albums to be chosen. Three more rounds, plus all of the extra albums in the not selected list. But those are going to have to wait for next week when we do part two of the Incomparables album draft. But until then, thanks for listening. I'm Jason Snell. Thank you to Eric Ansign, David Lore, Steve Lutz, Anthony Johnston, and Andy Anaco. We will see you for part two next time.